Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was a fairly quiet day in our market action, really talking about the, the narrow trading range that we saw today for all of our major indexes. St- certainly plenty of news to go around. Earnings season continues to rock on, and I'll get to more to all of that here in a second. But we finished mixed on the day with two out of our major indexes higher on the day. Uh, those were the Dow and Russell 2000. The S&P did finish slightly lower, really pretty much flat on the day here, but it hit a new all-time high today. So really, like I said, for our major indexes, a fairly quiet day today. And it seemed to be that there was some uneasiness about a, a couple of things, namely the Fed meeting going on today and then tomorrow, Jay Powell getting out there to announce the FOMC minutes. And there's always the chance, we've seen it time and time again from Jay Powell, that he can't just stick to the script. Once he gets that microphone in his hand, uh, he just, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't have the self-control to to stick to the script. Maybe he just likes the attention. I don't know. Whatever it is, uh, we'll we'll be watching here a little bit just to make sure that he doesn't have another one of his famous now, Jay Powell gaffes. We'll see what happens uh, really shouldn't be anything major coming from the Fed. And really, the meetings like this that we get so regularly now from the Fed, I mean, it almost makes no sense. You get the FOMC minutes published, tells you everything that you need to know. These meetings, these press conferences, really don't do anything more than, than muddy the waters. And especially, like I said, with Jay Powell's track record of, talking down the market when he speaks, it really doesn't serve much of a purpose in, in, in our opinion. Uh, but we'll be ready for it here tomorrow. And then also tomorrow, uh, there's a lot of talk that Biden will be introducing some more details of this new tax policy. For a lot of talk about it. Could have been a big reason for some of the uneasiness in this market. And it's just, it really is mind-boggling how little the media cares to cover or ask the question, why are we raising taxes right now? At the end of a pandemic, we're just getting on to the other side. Yes, I can see that they want to fund their agenda, but take a look at these numbers. In 2020, the federal government, we all know the year it was, the the unprecedented levels of stimulus. So of course, it's a huge year as far as spending goes. But they spent roughly $6.5 trillion while only collecting $3.7 trillion in taxes. So when can we get our mainstream media to start asking the questions of, you know, maybe we don't have a taxing problem here in the United States. Maybe we have a spending problem. I mean, just to get that question asked of some of our major politicians, you'll never hear it happen. Uh, but we really could use some more major politicians, uh, people who are, have a big following, to begin to speak up about this a little more. Because everybody wants to complain that billionaires don't pay, pay their fair share. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that point. But I think the point also needs to be made that if the government confiscated 100% of billionaires' wealth, which 
in, in terms of government, confiscated is a fancy word for tax. But uh, their total combined wealth of all the billionaires in the United States would roughly be $3.65 trillion, almost as much as the government collected to- in total of taxes last year. Well, if they're spending $6.5 trillion, I think I might have said $3.7 billion there. It meant $3.7 trillion. But that still, that's barely enough to fund the federal government for a little over half the year. And that's taking away all of their wealth. Uh, it just, it doesn't make sense. Now, I know we live in this, this brave new world of modern monetary theory and money printing that, that won't cause inflation. And that really makes you ask the question, if they can just print money as much as they want, why do we pay taxes at all? Point being that this tax plan, I'm sure that it, it can cause a big ruckus in the market. We saw it when it was announced, uh, the capital gains tax a few weeks back, after we, or sorry, a week ago, where we saw, I don't know, 11 out of 13 days of mixed and negative internals. We think that was a big part of insider selling from D.C. They knew it was coming. Um, so a lot of that might already be priced into our market and really anything that's announced from his tax plan, any weakness that we see in our market because of that, we believe that it'll likely be short lived here. We remain, even with that, that outlier out there, we remain extremely bullish on this market here and any pullback needs to be used as a buy. And on that point, we are heading into May now. The old adage that has rung true since 1950, sell in May and go away, is upon us here. But there's some interesting stats out from Stock Traders Almanac that I felt like we need to cover here. Kip covered it today in our, our, our morning's update. Over the last 10 years, since 2010, that old adage really hasn't held up as well. Still, the May to October time frame does underperform the November to April time frame. But take a look at last year. I mean, we all know what happened last year. In March, we got the crash, bottom to March 23rd, and then it was off to the races again from there. We had roughly 9% gains. Uh, I mean, basically average across the board gains for our major indexes, even bigger than that in some areas. Uh, so it didn't ring true last year. And then this was the key point. In post-election years, May is actually one of the best months of the year for our market. The Russell 2000, on average, in 9 out of the 10 post-election Mays since 1950, has average gains of 3.9%. That's a phenomenal month. One of the best months of the year, if you're looking at post-election years, it is the best month. So, with that information in mind, and the idea that we're going into a Q2 earnings season that's just going to be incredible. Uh, the year-over-year numbers there. I heard somebody talking about this yesterday, that really the year-over-year numbers are, it's a talking point now because of what happened last year. Uh, so maybe it isn't quite as useful, but you can't deny it. They're going to be huge beats, just like we've seen here from Q1 earnings. So we plan to remain long and strong. Kip talked about this as well. Really, we remain bullish until the end of Q2, and not saying that we're going to turn bearish after that, but that'll be a good time to reassess. 
because when we get these Q2 earnings numbers, it could be a buy the rumor, sell the news event. A lot of people are expecting now after Q1 earnings that and knowing what happened last year, that Q2 earnings are going to absolutely crush. So it could be a, a good opportunity to take some profits. Not saying that we're doing that just yet. Just just an idea, throwing it out there uh, that it could be the buy the rumor, sell the news event. And any pullback then we'll probably be adding to it as well. I mean, with as we talked about here all the time, with $22 trillion in fiscal and monetary stimulus globally and more on the way, this infrastructure bill on the way, uh, just saw something last week about new stimulus from the ECB. We're going to continue to get those announcements, especially in Europe where they remain on lockdown. Uh, so with that, I, it's almost as if nothing else matters, and we continue to to plan. We plan to stay long and strong through that as well. This is only the, the second year of this bull market. Bull markets tend to last on average at least five years. So we've got some time to run here for this market, and we plan to run with it. Uh, and we, like I said earlier, we have a busy earnings week this week. Microsoft uh, looks like it just reported or just reported that it crushed earnings, its highest earnings since roughly 2018. It's up in after hours. Saw a couple other mixed reports, but uh, we'll continue to report on that here this week. We're looking through these, though, closely here. Uh, great numbers so far from Q1. Absolutely phenomenal. Surpassing expectations by phenomenal amounts here. So looking at our markets on the day, we were led by the small caps. If you've been tuning in with us here, we've been expecting the small caps to play some catch-up. Kit more so than I have, uh, but he's been dead right about it. Small cap, even though we're up just slightly today, still leading the way, up 0.14% to 2,301. We were followed there by the Dow, up just slightly, 0.01% to 33,984. But today, we got a fresh buy signal, Dow Theory buy signal from the transports. Big day for the transports. This is a massive index. So to be up on a day like today, uh, roughly a slow day from our major indexes, transports up 1.44%. That's a huge day. So hitting a new, or hitting an all-time high here today, great to see. Another reason we remain very bullish here. After that was the S&P 500, down just 0.02%. Uh, to 4,186, did hit just about right at uh, a new all-time closing high, though, today. And then lastly, the NASDAQ, down 0.34% to 14,090. Looking at our internals on the day, we got mixed readings here, but not, not terrible. Like I said, some of that hesitancy likely ahead of the tax announcement sometime this week and the Fed meeting Declining stocks did beat out advancing. Basically flat, though, on the NYSE. A little worse on the NASDAQ. But new 52-week highs and lows just continue to be our bright spot here. A strong showing. Really highlighting the impressive breadth from this market. Kip talked about it yesterday on the podcast. That, you know, we continue to see our sectors hitting new all-time highs. And we also continue to see stocks hitting new 52-week highs. Showing it's not just the mega caps leading the way, even though they are so heavily weighted in our major indexes. But overall, stocks coming with 430 stocks hitting new 52-week highs to just 41 hitting new 52-week lows. So over 10 to 1 positive on the day today. And then lastly for the day, volume 
did come in positive for the NYSE and just not too bad, slightly negative here on the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day, like I said earlier, a lot of sectors, at least the ones that were up, hitting new all-time highs, and even the ones that finished down hitting all-time intraday highs. So strong showing here. We're led by energy today. Oil was up big. Financials up nicely as well, hitting a new all-time high. And then within that group, there's some of the biggest names out there. Capital One hitting a new all-time high. Wells Fargo, all-time high. American Express, all-time high. That's what you want to see. Nothing but bullish here. New highs begets new highs. And then lastly, so we finished with three out of our 11 sectors positive on the day. Lastly, it was the industrials finishing higher today as well at an all-time high. And then for our laggards on the day were utilities, healthcare, communication services, and tech. And then some of our other laggards were still able to hit all-time highs today. Real estate really pretty flat on the day, down just 0.02%. That was after they hit an all-time high today as well. Home builders, all-time high. HGX, all-time high. And then within that group, we saw all-time highs as well today. So we remain very bullish on these sectors, uh, as, you've, as you've heard here if you've been tuning in with us. And then lastly for today, our VRA commodity watch. Gold, now lower on the day, down about a quarter of a percent to 1775 an ounce. Silver up on the day, just over four-tenths of 1% to $26.32 an ounce. And then copper up nicely today, hitting a 52-week high here, which makes its highest level since 2011. This is a group that we have been extremely bullish on and remain extremely bullish on here. We think copper is going to continue to soar. Find your favorite mining group. And own it. That that it's that that symbol from the the group of copper. Our favorite here is Turquoise Hill. We think has a long way to run. But copper up on the day, just over nine tenths of one percent to four dollars and forty eight cents a pound. And then oil, as I mentioned earlier, higher as well, up a nice three percent plus on the day to sixty three dollars and twenty cents a barrel. And lastly for today, Bitcoin up just over one and a half percent to fifty four thousand eight hundred and sixty one a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.